welcome back to the Remnant Podcast. I am Luis Olvera, a.k.a. Audio Life, even in this winter. And this is Danny O, a.k.a. Danny Ochoa. So, Danny, it's been a couple of days yes, since sir. we recorded, even though, you know, but the internet you know. the internet makes it seem like we do it every two weeks. What have you been up to? That's why I love the internet. Well, you know, praying, fasting, just trying to... Dial in some new new ideas. We're in twenty twenty three by this episode, right? Yes, twenty twenty three. You know what that means, though. It's no longer twenty twenty two. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of something <laughs> clever. I couldn't think of it fast enough. So, what do we have for t- the audience today? So, we're going to continue on with our our segment, our playlist of the core. And today's guest is very special guest, uh, very special to my heart, to your heart, and really close. And he's, you know. I don't want to say he specializes, but he is our missions director here at the church. And his name is Pastor Bill Carson. Pastor Bill, welcome. What's up, guys? Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Good (laughs) Good to be here. That's that New York accent. I love it. I love it. A cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. Every once in a while, these accents come out. I don't know where they come from. Gotta love it. So, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... You know, a couple of things that, and, you know, maybe our audience who has never met you or some of our congregation that just sees you walking around, who is Pastor Bill? I mean, where'd you grow up? Like, what's a little bit of your background? Yeah, for, well, for me, I grew up in New Jersey, the armpit of America. Come on. It is. And um, actually where I grew up, I mean, mean, a lot of times people think of New Jersey as like the industrial, like just outside of New York City, um, oil refineries, things like that. That just sounds like Bakersfield here. (laughs) But for me, the part of New Jersey that I grew up in was is Southern New Jersey. And believe me when I tell you, it's basically Alabama, like rural. I've never been to Alabama. Just ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, like, like when I went to high school, everybody had like chewing tobacco cans in their pants. Everybody's walking around with skull. Wow. Skull. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, what in the world? And um, listening to country music. Fun fact, there was an even a live rodeo where I grew up every wow. Saturday in the really? summer. Yes. I, I love I rodeos. I loved it. They're, yeah. they're, I think they're awesome. I, I frequented it. I frequented the, uh, the rodeo quite a bit. Believe it or not. <laughs> so, so I grew up there. I grew up, okay. it's like an hour outside of Philly and, um, yeah, just born and raised in New Jersey. And then when I turned 18, I left, went to college and, uh, the rest is history after that. I, but I got out, <laughs> I got left. out, <laughs> punched his ticket. So he got a chance. That's right. Well, so, all right. You, you, you grew up in that. I mean, was it, a, was it a tough childhood? Was it a boring one? Like what, what was Little Billy's life like. Little Billy. Little Billy. Little no, Billy. you know, my, my childhood was a good childhood. It wasn't rough. You know, I live with my parents and my younger brother. I had three older siblings. They're half siblings. And, um, you know, we, we were always around um, each other, but only around, like the holidays and stuff like that with my older siblings. But one, my younger brother and I, we played a lot of video games. We did a lot of fun stuff like that. Um, but as you can imagine, cause it was like, it was the country, right. right? Like, like there wasn't a lot to do. So like the summertime, I mean, this was pretty cool. My grandparents would take me out on their boat on the Delaware Bay and we'd go fishing every Saturday. They'd come home. Um, they'd clean the fish. My grandma would like fry the fish. 
but I didn't like fish then. So <laughs> now I do, but back then I didn't like fish. Um, so it was just a lot of, not a lot to do. I mean, like just to give you an idea where I grew up, there was like one red light, one stoplight in my entire town. Wow. <laughs> we had a general store from like the 1700s. You're making it sound like radiator springs in cars. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever go tipping cows? There were plenty of cows. If you wanted to tip them, <laughs> my neighbor had longhorn steer. Wow. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. We, I had a goat, you know, <laughs> you had a pet goat. <laughs> I had a pet goat, you know, and we had pretty like, like we had dogs, we had cats, we had guinea pigs. We had, if you, you could think of the animal, you know, it's bones are buried in the backyard still. Dear Lord. <laughs> so some people have time capsules. There's I, God, God bless the family that lives in that house now. Cause if they ever dig up the backyard, wherever they, there's just bones everywhere. <laughs> so animals. Love them. So uh, you, you just talked about how uh, as soon as you turned 18, you left uh, New Jersey. So was it in that time that you came to know the Lord or was it your time away from New Jersey that you came to know the Lord? You know, I, I got saved when I was 17 and my, my mom um, always went to church mm. and my mom and I were close. She was like the rock of faith in my life. And at that point, my father was, uh, was an alcoholic and so was pretty, pretty heavy drinking. Um, when he wasn't home, I wished he was. Wow. And when he was home, I wished he wasn't. And, um, and it was the irony of that. Right. right. Uh, but that was, that was a little painful for me. And so because of that little, uh, um, thing that we were going through as a family, um, my mom and I were especially close uh -huh. and she went to church. I didn't want anything to do with it, but I I didn't think that she should have to beg me to go. Like she had enough trouble going on anyway. She didn't, she didn't need, need me complaining right. about her faith. And so I kept going to church with her, going to church with her, going to church with her and uh, didn't, didn't quite like it, but was there. And there happened to have been a missions trip that the youth group was going on to Philadelphia, which was, like I said, about an hour away um, from, from the church and where I grew up. And I don't know why, but I went. I didn't even want to go, and but I did. So I had just turned 17, and uh, it was the summertime, and we went over to Philadelphia. And the first two days of the, of the trip, it was a whole bunch of youth groups of churches in the surrounding area that all stayed in the dorms of a Bible college instead of staying at a hotel. Okay. And so the first two days were a lot of team building, make sure you drink a lot of water, you know, don't go anywhere by yourself when you're out and on the streets. Um, in Philly, you know, stuff like that. And at night there were services at worship and a preaching and all of those things. And the first, the first night, you know, worship's happening and I couldn't understand it. Like everybody's raising their hands. Everybody's praising the oh, Lord. I thought you meant like, cause it was in Spanish or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would have preferred that. <laughs> no, they, 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 I, I didn't understand why they were worshiping the way they, they were. Right. And I didn't like it. I, I, everybody's standing hands up. I'm sitting arms crossed. You're like, what's wrong with these people? Yeah. What's wrong with them? I like, I, I, it was, it was weird to me and I didn't get the appeal. And for whatever reason, it would make me get a little upset. So I'm, I'm sitting there like this, sitting right. down worship time. Did, did you, did you get upset because you didn't understand what they were doing or, or why? I, I really don't know why I was upset because I'm not usually a person who gets angry or upset anyway. I don't know if it was stuff that I was going through at home or if it was the fact that 
I didn't even want to be there in the first place. Oh, and somehow oh, I found okay. myself there and I'm in a position where I'm, I'm uncomfortable, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so I have my arms crossed. Preacher gets up. I don't know what he preaches about. People run to the altar. They start crying. I think they're weird. Night's done. Praise God. I go home. I mean, I guess it's pretty ironic to yeah. say praise God, praise God when yeah. you, when you weren't saved. Well, let's go. But Second night, same exact thing. Worship. I'm sitting with my arms crossed. Preacher preaches. I have no idea what he's preaching about. Altar call happens. And I I couldn't articulate it at the time, but now I can articulate that the Holy Spirit was the one who showed me I was so tangled up in sin Mm. that the only way for me to get out of it was if I gave my life to Jesus. And so I don't know what every. I don't know why everybody else was at the altar, what they were praying for on the mission trip, but I was get I ran to the altar and I got saved on a mission trip. Wow. And so I ran to the altar, I cried my eyes out, and I'm not a crier unless the Holy now not the Holy Spirit's around, I right, cry, right. but you know, I, I'm not a crier. I'm crying my eyes out and I gave my life to Jesus Christ that day. It was July 26, 2005, and I never Jesus. looked back. And, um, the cool part was like probably like 60 seconds after I got saved. And I know this isn't everyone's experience, but this is, this is my experience. All of a sudden I found myself speaking in tongues like about a minute after I got saved. Wow. Wow. And so here I am, I'm like, you know, speaking in tongues. And I I mean, I kind of like tears in my eyes, like, you know, I just got saved and I'm like, man, this is. I was shaking under the power of God. Wow. Incredible. And then probably another 60 seconds later, I realized that God was calling me into ministry. And I, before I wanted to be an architect, I was taking some classes. Hey, me too. Yeah, really? Yeah. I, I, was, I took a lot of those like computer-aided design and drafting classes, using AutoCAD program on computers. I wanted to build houses. Right. Um, yep. But God had a different plan and he'd, he'd rather me build a kingdom. And uh, his Ooh, kingdom. Very wow. nice. Very nice transition there. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but can, can we pause there for a little bit? You just said 60 seconds after being saved and speaking in tongues, you already knew you were being called into ministry. And we have Christians out here that have been in ministry for or been saved for six years, yet they don't know that they've been called. That it, to me, that's. Well, and let me, that's let me say this. I didn't know what that looked like. Right. But I, I learned that's how it's actually supposed to be. But but you knew, though. You knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that that's I where God was calling you. That I knew that I knew. And you have people at the altar like every Sunday and like, where is God calling me? You're not listening. You're not really seeking. And you can have somebody that's 60 seconds saved. And all right, I'm, I'm sold out. Where am I going? Well, I mean, that and that was my experience. That's not everybody else's experience, right? right. For, like yeah, the way it. God reveals things and how the Holy Spirit does it, it's different for everybody, but his, his, his way of doing it's still perfect, you know? And so, um, needless to say, you know, the rest of that mission trip, I was very happy to be there. <laughs> and, and you know, what's really cool. I love how God does this is because the next day we started actually hitting the streets and this was probably literally 12 hours after I got saved, 12 hours after baptized in the Holy Spirit, 12 hours after being called into ministry. And I led two souls to the Lord on, on the streets of Northeast Philadelphia. And I was just like, man, I remember thinking, and this is like in my immaturity, right? I'm like, it's, I thought it was going to be harder than this, like to win souls. <laughs> <laughs> like, shouldn't it be like more difficult? Uh, like, did you know? Yeah. I was like, this is, this is crazy. So I got saved when I was 17. 
that was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Right. I went back to high school, finished up, graduated um, in 2006, and then two months later went off to Bible college. Wow. At, by the way, it was the same Bible college where we stayed for the missions trip. Oh, wow. Come on. So I got saved at the altar of the Bible college right. I then got a degree from. So they were probably like, we got him. We got him. <laughs> <laughs> Pay up. Pay up. <laughs> Pay up. <laughs> yes. So tell us about um, your family. How how did you meet uh, Pastor Katie? And, um, you know, did you guys get married right away? Or did were you guys they... high school sweethearts? Like, or church school sweethearts? Sunday school sweethearts? There you go. No, That's is, or, or the uh, a Ring by Spring. No. Oh, 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 no. Let's not, let's not go back to that, man. Well, yeah, how did that all happen? Yeah, exactly. How did that all happen, though? Well, I met Katie um, the first day of college. Oh, and, um, wow. so, and she was my wife before the last day. Come so, on. yes. <laughs> wow. Wait, the last day of the first year or the last day of college period? The last day of college. Yeah. Okay. So I met her on the first day. I went off to Bible college and I, I remember saying, I'm not here for girls. I'm not here to find a relationship. I'm here for God. I'm one year saved. Like, I'm just like foaming at the mouth for the Lord. Um, and not for any other reason. That, that's how I used to walk into churches, the exact same thing. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, uh, so, and lo and behold, I guess, you know, Katie, Katie and I met, they, they had these like new student orientation things where they put like nine or 10 new freshmen together and like a, a group, they called them start teams and start was an acronym. I don't know why I still remember this. It was called striving towards a real togetherness. I think that's just people are just trying to make it a little bit more special. Start makes sense. Just start. Like, start. Just, you didn't start. have to, you didn't have to. No acronym needed. No, oh. no. But for whatever reason, I remember that. And uh, we met, we were, we were placed on this same start team. And so we sat in a circle on the grass by a tree on campus uh, with several other people. And we did a, a bunch of um, like activities, like get to know you activities. One of them being where you had to describe yourself using an adjective that started with the same letter as your first name. So mm. my name being Bill, right. I had to find an adjective that started with B and, you know, there's a lot of like emotions going around. I just moved out of state, you know, I've just moved in for college and now I'm sitting on the, on the grass with people I don't know. And for whatever reason, what I said was I'm bouncy bill. <laughs> I was like burpee bill. Burpee bill. That would have been appropriate, but, but bouncy bill was the thing that came out of my mouth. And to be, you know, I thought that was bad, <laughs> but, but then Katie took her turn and she's like, well, I'm. I want to say Klutzy Katie, but I don't know if Klutzy spelled with a C or, or if Klutzy spelled with a K because my name begins with a K. And and this is the very first thought of, of, of Katie who then became my wife. My very first thought about my wife was That's the one this, well, no, I was like, who cares? I was like, <laughs> Just run with it. Who like cares? We're, we're in the grass, <laughs> you know, who cares? Um, you're like, oh, she's going to not do well. In the <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was, that's how I met Katie. And, uh, then we, we started hanging out, you know, with the start team thing worked because, you know, you're on campus with like a thousand other students. You don't really know people. And you're like, right. Hey, I remember Klutzy Katie, you know, with a C or a K, I don't know. And so we would hang, hang out together, uh, with people and, you know, and then feelings started to develop and we, we were friends for a while. And then we, we dated for about a year, got engaged. And now we've been married for about 13 years. Come on. Wow. 
that, that's amazing. That is. So now we're talking about family. How do you balance having a family because you have your wife, you have the two kiddos. How do you balance that and ministry that you're either doing here or all around the country? Yeah, no. And you know, that's a, that's a great thing because, you know, I have, I have a uh, little bill. He's 11. He's about to be 12. And I have Haley who's four. And of course we have another one on the way. Oh, oh, come on. We have another one on the way. And one of my uh, concerns was that being in ministry, I didn't want my children to grow up and resent ministry. Okay. I didn't yeah, want that to, happens a lot. It does. And I didn't, I didn't want them to resent it. I didn't want them to resent church. And of course I didn't want them to resent the Lord. Um, but my kids love it. My kids love to be they here. Sure do. Yeah. You know, even just this week, my son, little Bill, he plays Fortnite. And I told him, um, you can have Fortnite, but if there's bad fruit, like, like I'm hearing words, I don't like to hear right. anything like that. That's um, coming into our home. You know what I mean? It's an interactive game, right? Any of those things, it's leaving my house. Bad fruit means it's out of my house. Right. But if there's good fruit, it can stay. And so little Bill came to me the other day and he said, dad, I was playing with this kid and I was playing with my other friend too. And we said, we're going to make up a new team called God's army. Come and on. the other kid was like, well, God hasn't done anything for me. I worship the devil. Yeah, the devil's great. And he started talking about how he worships Satan. So little Bill says, let me play you sounds from hell, sounds of screaming from what? hell. And really? so there's like a sound bite that, that it's like people screaming. It's obviously right. not recorded in hell. You know, hell doesn't have like an open door for recording policy, <laughs> you know. That we know yeah, of. Yeah, you, be, you gotta but, be careful um, with them. Not, might get a copyright. Find out though. Might get a copyright violation for that one. <laughs> yeah, let's not find out. So he played it, and then the kid goes, "Hey, man, it, it's nighttime where I am. I, I'm getting a little freaked out." Right. And little Bill says, "You think it's scary now?" Wow. And started explaining what hell is really like, uh -huh. and how there's a heaven. And he and he explained the gospel to him, and uh, what had happened was little Bill over the microphone on Fortnite led that kid to Come the Lord on. happens to be the second kid on Fortnite. Just this week, a little bill led to the Lord and the fourth person this year that bill has won to the wow. Lord just from Fortnite. And, um, and I said all that to say, because I'm very, very proud of him. He's Come a soul on. winner and it, and it, and it says something more to me. He doesn't actually resent ministry. And he doesn't resent the Lord. He actually sees something greater. Right. And that was what makes me excited. And so when it comes to balancing family and, and ministry, um, it's, it's really when you really love the Lord, God is first in everything you do. Right. God's first and God comes before my wife. I love Jesus more than I love Katie. Right. And it happens to make me a better husband. When it comes to my kids, I love Jesus more than my kids. Right. And it happens to make me a, a better dad. And, um, you know, I, I think this is real. You, people can sniff when something's real. Right. When, when, I'm, when I'm out evangelizing where I'm winning souls, my kids can tell when I come home and I share that with them. But I also, I see the fruit of it. Like Haley will go around and, and, and if they have a movie on or something on TV, which we don't really watch too much uh, TV or movies or anything, but if she sees something on and it's like an ad or a commercial, she says, that's demonic. 
at four oh, years old. Wow. wow. Like wow. I want my 11 year old son winning souls. I want right. my four year old daughter recognizing when things are demonic or right. when they're not, but it's, it's what they're, they're around. It's what they're learning. True. True. And you know, I think beyond the spiritual thing, you know, practically, um, I, what I personally do as I spend time with my family, I make sure to spend time with my family, but I'm usually out of the country at least once a month. Um, and so I'm gone. Right. So I, what I do is I make memories and no matter what it is, the, as simple as it can be, I make memories with them. Mm. So like if I'm in another country, I don't bring home like fancy, crazy gifts. Cause I, I tried that once like, like, Hey, you can only get this in central America. Look they're, at this papaya. Yeah. They're like, they're like, <laughs> you <a> papaya. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. I think I'd have to declare that at the border. I think so. <laughs> Just declaring your love for your kids. There you go. Ooh, That's I right. tried bringing you a papaya, but it got confiscated. Yeah, I know, I know. But I these coffee fiends made it, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I bring them like candy and chocolate and they, and they're like, yes, this is the best ever. So I do that. Right. But like, say like, this is the a great example of making memories. Like even when I'm not traveling, um, I went to Vallarta the other day, mm. you know, that's a staple right here in SoCal. What's up? Yes. yes. And so I went to Vallarta and I told my wife, I'm going to go get some breakfast. I came home with bacon and bolillos. Come yes. on. And so I told her that on the phone. I'm like, I got bacon and bolillos. And, and Katie's like, you brought home bacon and bread for breakfast? I said, it's not just bread. It's, it's bolillos. It's a bolillo. <laughs> yeah, man. And Hispanic culture, what, it's Central America, anywhere. It's like, it's oh yeah, that's breakfast oh, right my, there. Oh my yeah. gosh. Hear that or some cheese and some coffee, some bolillo. That's it. That's it. Don't get in coffee. You're good to go. Yeah. So I came home and I told my kids, I was like, this is going to be the best bread you have ever had. I'm going to toast it. They're like, mm. I'm going to put melted butter on it. They're like, mm. like catch a revival. <laughs> I was like, and you will not believe for 25 cents how good this tastes. And so I made it and I, and I, uh, I, I gave it to them and they're like, dad, this is the best bread ever. And you know, it, it's little things like that. I make memories because right. it's the things that'll stick. They're going to remember that throughout their childhood, you know, Haley wanted to make peanut butter cookies. It was like nine, nine 30 at night. I was like, get in the car. We're going to go get the stuff. And we went to the store and Katie's like, I can't believe you're doing that. And I was like, but the kids need to, when they come up with an idea, it's good for them to feel empowered to say, dad said, yeah, let's do that True. idea that you had. So stuff like that. Um, I mean, not talking, now that we're talking about balance, have you seen where there's a, a shift now where before you used to see, um, kids were just like disconnected or had like a resentment towards ministry when their parents were in ministry work because all they gave was hundred percent to the church and nothing to the family. Can we say like, honestly, there's been a shift where now we're implementing balance within the, the family and ministry. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think we've seen a lot of pastors, kids who've grown up and I don't know if rebel is the right word or they've gone. No, the, rebel is the right word. Yeah. Rebel is the right word. Yeah. You know, they've gone, they've gone in the ways of the world, maybe because they thought they were missing out. Maybe they thought they were too sheltered. I, I don't know what the reason might be, but I think, I think in large part, maybe they saw a love for church over love for family. Mm. Um, but what really needs to happen is people, your family, your kids and your, your spouses, we need them to see that there's a great love for the Lord 
And if that, like I said, if, if you love the Lord more than your family, you know, you're leaving a great legacy. I think that's, that's the way. Because if you love the Lord, of course, you're going to love his bride, the church, but you're also going to love your bride and you're also going to love your kids and you're also going to love anyone around you. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and so, yeah, you definitely have seen that over time, but I really think that's probably the antidote is you actually, before people probably just loved ministry, they love serving the Lord, which you should, but you can, it's possible to love service to God more than you actually love God himself. That makes sense. Mm, That, that actually clears up a lot of things in my past. Now that makes sense to you? No, no, but, but you understand. Okay. So my parents weren't pastors right. or anything, but I have seen it. Like, you know, you're stepping from the out, outside in, True. you see it. And, and then you wonder why even now people that you see at a church, you're like, why didn't you serve? Why don't you? Like, oh, no, my parents, this and that. And you're like, oh, a little bitter there. I mean, you do, see, you do sit in your local church, but. A lot of the times, obviously, we see it more from like the high profile, uh, you know, celebrity pastors and, and their kids falling out or what have you. And we're like, well, where's the love for your family? Like you're, you're teaching the Bible. So you have to read it in there where it says to love your family, you know, love your wife as you love yourself. So why aren't you? And that's why, uh, you know, I was like, man, to hear somebody actually uh, give an ad- antidote or anecdote to balance with family and ministry, which is great. All right, so how did Pastor Bill end up at City Reach? I mean, were you doing ministry out in Jersey, uh, out in the East, by your college? Like where? Yeah, so, well, so went to Bible college, met Katie there. We got married. We graduated. Um, I was um, an associate pastor at a country church out there, and I started a school. Um you know, then the Lord called us to New York city wow. and we went to Brooklyn Brooklyn in the house. and we were helping with church planting. Um, that's how I got even more connected with our pastor, pastor Brian. Um, I met him in 2008 in Bible college, um, yeah. where he guest taught one of my classes, uh, developing outreach and discipleship. Nice. What? Yeah. It, I just remember he told his testimony and I, and he's like, I got shot in the face and I remembered. So, um, well, so I, so then, I, you know, we're in New York City and we were helping with church planting. And then I was helping with more church planting um, right. on the team with Pastor Brian. Um, and then eventually it, the Lord started speaking to us to, to come to California to my wife and I. And I fought it. I fought it at first because I was, I was, I practiced the spiel, right? I'm like, that's not what I do. I'm in Brooklyn and I'm working to minister to Muslims and right. I'm teaching English as a second language to them. I'm helping them to get citizenship. I'm, I'm doing, this is what I do. I'm helping with all these other stuff. And, um, and I fought it for a little bit and I didn't tell Katie. I just, I just, it was me and the Lord for months and months and months. Wow. So then I was traveling and I was in Pittsburgh and, um, Katie was pregnant with Haley um, she was like seven months pregnant with Haley. And the Lord said very sh- sharply to me, it's time you need to go. And uh, I said, okay, Lord, I'll, when I drive back to New York, I will tell Katie and I'll know it's you. If my very pregnant wife, after I tell her, Hey, after you have the baby, let's just sell everything and go to Los Angeles. And I don't know what we're going to do, but I think God's calling us there. If she's okay with it, I'll know it's you. 
And mind you, I haven't told her any of this. I haven't right. been talking. I've only been talking to the Lord and it just keeps coming up and I'm fighting it, fighting it. So I get home and I walk in our apartment and I sat down and I said, Kate, we got to talk. I said, I think the Lord spoke to me, but if you and me are not on the same page, it's not God. And I said, I think after you have the baby, like we should sell everything and move to LA and for the Lord, for ministry. And I don't know what, and I don't know what that looks like. And uh, what do you say? And she said, it's so crazy. She said, I've been feeling that for months. And I was, I was like blown away. And that night we started packing, um, you know, and so Katie, uh, she had the baby and eight weeks later, uh, me, Katie, kids, cat, and like four luggages, we bought one way tickets and moved to LA. Wouldn't it be five for the cat? Five kids? No, no, no. One more (laughs) luggage for the cat. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, you know, some people are like, my cat's my child. The cat stay behind. Uh, uh, buried in the backyard. <laughs> there are a lot of cat bones in that old backyard. But so that's, so that's how we ended up at City Reach. And we knew Pastor Brian and um, we knew some other people here. And so uh, we, we, uh, we joined the team here. And now that's how we've been here. So you dropped some gems right there uh, saying that you started a school uh, back in uh, back East and that uh, you were in Brooklyn. Uh, What other ministries have you been part of uh, as far as from back then till now? From back then till now, um, you know, the school is pretty significant. I was like 25 or 26. We started like a, like, like a, like a private school. Yeah, it was a private school. Um, And man, I don't know how in the world I got into that, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow I did. They just, you know, there was investors, they built it from the ground up. They gave me the keys to a multi-million dollar building, gave me a budget and said, make it happen. And we did. And we got a, you know, um, certificate of occupancy. We got it licensed by the state. Um, We started doing a whole bunch of, um, what are those things called? Uh, State grants. We got those. It took all our competitors seven years it took us three months. Come on. And uh, we did all that. Wow. We grew to capacity, which was like 200 kids in right. the first nine months. Um, I hired wow. everyone, trained everyone. And uh, we did all of that. And, you know, I always was wondering like, how in the world, God, are you going to use this? Because um, my mentors who were some of my professors in Bible college, um, they were a husband and wife couple, Mr. and Mrs. Bradney. Right. Um, they took me and Katie and we, they always invited us over to their home. We would, I went to Latin America a lot with them. So they taught me a love for souls and missions and the supernatural. They, uh, they, they brought Katie and I in, they would always bring us over to their, their home for, uh, for dinner. They're in their eighties right now. And, wow. um, but they took us to Latin America. They used to meet missionaries there. And, um, they, they, uh, they taught us a love for souls, a love for missions, a love for the supernatural. He told me this, any time spent sharpening your tools is never wasted. And so I wondered, what in the world am I doing starting a school? Right. And the Lord breathed on it. And, I, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know God is going to do something out of this. Right. And what happened was, um, is that God totally did. Like I, I got skills and I got things that I needed in order to do what I'm doing now as far as organizational leadership, as far as being able to direct a team, as far as being able to delegate to a larger team um, and, and to make sure like, you know, behind the scenes stuff is taking care of paperwork and that, you know, you're legal and legit, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's always important. 
So now uh, we're just talking about how you got the love for missions. And we, me and Louie both know, and most of our audience is going to find out now, that you spearhead uh, the mission work here at City Reach. What does that entail? You were just talking about some of the behind the scenes stuff. And how do, why do we have crusades? Why not just go drop off the food and come back? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, as far as what we do as a church here, Pastor Brian's had it in his heart to do these crusades. And I love this because it's actually something I've been thinking about recently because missions has been a part of my spiritual DNA since the very moment I got saved, right? right. Like I got saved on a mission trip. Oh, mission trip yeah. um, my mentors were missionaries. Right. They took us to Latin America. I've been to Paraguay and Costa Rica and Honduras and several times for those, you know what I mean? Uh, before we started going to like El Salvador and Honduras again and Mexico and all those places. And God's put that love inside of me. And God got my yes, my unconditional yes, right. years and years and years ago. But God also got Pastor Brian's yes. Mm. God got your yes right. and your yes, all of our yeses. <laughs> right. Thunderstorm. That's thunder. Oh, wow. Nice. We're pausing for a thunderstorm. <laughs> That's a good one. So that shook the floor. That's it did. Good. Either that or someone's moving something outside. No, that was thunder. Nice. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Where were we at? Um, uh, Spearhead crusades. What does it entail? The Lord has all, all yes. of our yeses. Yeah. So, so God has all of our yeses, right? But it's, it's when all of our yeses come in agreement. Right. Right. Because it's God who is planning it's there's actually something bigger afoot than what is just pertaining to my yes to God. There's something bigger than just yours or just, you know, yours. It's when all of ours come together in unity, which is actually the power of the church, right? Power of the bride of Christ in unity that when all of our yes is to come together, I think that's why the Bible says like one can take a thousand, but two can take 10,000 is because two yeses came together for a larger vision than just themselves. And so we doing crusades now. Like, I don't even, I don't, I remember when Pastor Brian first went to El Salvador and he came back and then we met together and he's like, we're going to do something there and you're going to go. And I was like, well, God already has my yes. And I already knew missions was in my heart. And Pastor Brian had already given me a word, prophetic word, like, like a year before that, before any like missions, anything was was a part of the church wow. that that God was going to use me in right. that way. And I knew it. I knew it for for years, right? And so um now that we're doing missions work here, um, that entails a lot. That I mean, during the pandemic, when that first started, we have a food bank here. That was a lot of us going to TJ, going to wow. Tijuana and getting supplies that we needed, right? Toilet paper and um, diapers and baby formula. You know, oh, I got detained true. at the U.S.-Mexican border three times in one night because we were trying to bring across a thousand rolls of toilet paper. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember. No way. Yes. No, listen, I'm a person who makes sure to do their research. Yeah. I knew- it couldn't be a thousand and one. No, what it, it, I knew that you could only spend a certain amount of money yeah. before you had to declare something, and I had the receipt to prove that we spent under that, right? Um, uh, on the toilet paper and the diapers and everything. So they we get to the border, they throw us into secondary, they open up the back of the van, and they're like, "Why do you have 
all of this toilet paper. And we're like, we're pastors. <laughs> we're, it's for Jesus. <laughs> it's for the Lord. You know, you know, we have a food bank. We actually have a paper that, that, you know, LA regional food bank has said we're, you know, essential to remain open. We have a business ID. Yeah. I have all the paperwork here with yeah. us, you know, to prove that. And they're like, I don't care what you do, but you got to go back to Mexico and you have to get rid of at least half of the toilet paper. Yep. So we did. And thankfully one of the other pastors on staff, Pastor Alba, her brother lives there. We contacted him and we loaded up his living room, literally floor to ceiling with a couple hundred rolls of toilet paper. Oh man, I, I would have just been like, oh, let's just give it out right here in the border. You know, hey, you want, you want toilet? You want toilet paper? You want toilet paper? Well, we paid for it. We wanted it. So we oh, could at okay. least come back for it. So we get back in the line and they pull us over to secondary a second time. And they opened the door. And why, why did this happen? I don't know. We got the same exact guy. And he was like, what? Wait, I didn't hear this detail. It was the same, it was the same (laughs) border patrol agent, you know? And we're like, (sighs) maybe he wanted his cut of roll. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, I mean, I don't know. And so we're there and he's like, you, he's like, I thought I told you you had to get rid of half. And this is where like, you know, I said, sir, Please help me understand because we got rid of half. What does half mean to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that we could do what we're supposed to do. And um, and then someone's like, don't speak unless you're spoken to. We're going to arrest you. And then some of the people on our team were like, go ahead and arrest us. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to jail tonight because of toilet paper. <laughs> not for the Lord, for toilet paper. Yeah. So we go back. A second time. So we've been detained twice and essentially deported back to Mexico twice now in the same night, which I thought was just going to be such an easy trip. I was like, man, we found a warehouse. They're like, it's, it was called like, um, pañales y papeles de Tijuana, like papers and diapers of TJ. And I was like, man, they have everything we need. Got it. You know, I was like, loaded up. We were like in Mexico, 45 minutes. We're like, loaded up. We'll get, we'll, you know, pay for it and go. And so we, we dumped more off at that same uh, brother's house wow. in TJ. And uh, we come back uh, to the borderline. Third time, we get thrown into secondary. secondary. They open the doors. They're like, I don't see anything wrong with this. You guys can go. And the doors opened up to the United States of America. And we <laughs> held our breath. And we drove in. And we were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Uh you know, it was crazy. And then like, you know, two or three weeks later, we came back to take what the devil stole. Right. 800 rolls of toilet paper and, and we crossed no problem. Wow. So we did that. That's what mission started to look like during the pandemic. It sure did. Pastor Brian got a, a truckload of, of food and supplies. Yeah. And what we didn't realize is that was starting to turn into something greater, right? There's always a bigger vision. God's always doing something bigger than we can imagine. And so it started turning into What if we went to a hurting place in this pandemic? Mm. What if we took a team there? What if we worked with local pastors in that country and in a forgotten place and we bring food and supplies and the gospel there? And uh, that's how, you know, the the crusades started, like in the middle of a pandemic. Um, You know, for me, Around that, it was. This was in the beginning of 2020. Before the pandemic went crazy, I was on a my first 40 day fast, and I, I love to share this because I I I want to give God all the glory for this. Um, 
We had no idea that crusades were going to be a thing. We had no idea that missions were really going to be a thing. Right. It was day 39 of the 40 day fast. And I was in my backyard and I was praying in the morning and it was almost as if the voice of the Lord got caught up in my right ear. And I start, the Lord started to speak to me and I was writing it down and I almost could not write it down fast enough. And the Lord said, you're going to travel the world. Mm. And at the right time, Katie's going to go with you. Come on. The blind are going to see. Yes. The deaf are going to hear. The mute are going to speak. The lame are going to walk. The dead are going to rise to life physically and spiritually, but you must remain in me. Mm. And that was February 2020. And it was the next month that the world shut down. Yeah. March. But when God, surprise, but when God speaks, he doesn't, he doesn't speak in vain and he doesn't lie. Like there was a reason why God spoke that. And I, I um, submitted that to pastor Brian and he's like, man, God's been speaking to me about this as well. And I love how God does that. It was November later that year that we had our first crusade and it was almost, you know, I mean, every, every, you know, I have in my office right now, these canvases made they're actually the fulfillment of those prophetic word photos where we've been traveling the world and there's been the right times where Katie's gone with us and Mm -hmm. we've seen blind eyes open. We've seen deaf ears open. We've heard mute mouths speaking. We've seen lame legs jumping and we've seen the dead, uh, spiritually dead people come to life. Um, again, I'm still hand standing on this one promise from God that I'm going to see the dead, the physically dead come back to life. I mean, I'm down to see that. Um, I've been waiting for that. It will happen. Yes. God said it. He did. And, and so that's really what sparked a lot of the missions things. And now we keep going and keep doing, and God keeps opening up more and more doors. You know, we do these evangelistic crusades. People hear the gospel. Right. Um, it's incredible. Louie was just at our TJ, TJ crusade. TJ, that was, I brought amazing. you down for a pre-trip down there because I needed help with some of the audio things. Cause the stadium we were in is a bull. It was bull a bowl. It was a bowl for bull fighting. There you go. And um, <laughs> that's the best go. way to put it. And I just needed to know that it was going to be right. Cause if, if like with the, with the sound system, cause if it's not right, people, it's, it's people hear the gospel. Yeah. It's one of the most important things is how people can hear it. Yeah. It's the same issues we have at churches. Like uh, that's what I always tell people that start off in, in church audio. I'm like, look, you're another part of them. You're another part of the band. I mean, cause if they can't hear what God has to tell them, then did anybody receive? So you have to be on point. Well, actually the, the biggest advice I give someone and be like, Hey, you can mess up the entire service. Don't mess up mess pastor's, pastor's mic. mic. Don't mess up pastor's <laughs> mic. That's right. Yeah. And then even Danny, you and your wife were there. Yeah. And, and what's crazy. It's uh, it was almost a year after you have given me in the alley, that prophetic word that would would be joining you in the in the mission field, and it was like I was in shock. Uh, like to these days, I still, whew, I still get emotional about it because it's like, man, like <laughs> I know, right? It's because it's like, man, we, me and Ali have always had a heart for missions, like going out there. And Ali, you know, more for you know praying for the people, and me, it's like it's always been going head on with the opposition, like. The Lord knows I was, I've always been a fighter. Unfortunately, in the in my past, it was a physical fighter, but now I'm more in the spiritual sense. 
So that's that's where, where I you know I get my my energy or my my umph like let's go on these missions trips because it's like uncharted territory for the most part and you know you have these people that all they've heard is you know traditional worship for whatever gods they believe in. So uh, speaking on that, what are some of the oppositions that you've had leading into a crusade or while on a crusade? I know you talked about God opening all these doors. What has the enemy tried to close? Yeah, there are there are great oppositions. Um, the devil does not want that to happen. Right. He does not want a single soul saved, let alone multitudes, let alone healings, right. let alone changing the trajectory of a city, potentially entire nations. And so he, he will try to stop it. Some of the oppositions that I face, and, um, and I want to share publicly about it, which I've done in different sermons or different, you know, in teachings and stuff like that. Um, you know, there was one time we were doing the uh, uh, El Salvador three-city crusade tour in one week um, in April 2021. Yeah, that, that, was, that was hardcore. That was hardcore. That was hardcore. It was was it two and a kids one or how? No, it was it was three, just in different cities. Plus the kids this, one. Uh, what uh, in El Salvador in 2022 we did two and a kids crusade, oh, okay. but okay. it was the the year before it. You know, uh, I was home, and I'm I'm going 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 going. There's a heaviness, right? Um, a weight is probably a better way to say it. Um, that 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 when you do anything for the Lord. When you're pushing into something new, there's a weight that's accompanying it. And the Holy Spirit taught me this great prayer because I think in our natural selves, our flesh would be like, man, I don't want to carry this weight anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Holy Spirit taught me this prayer. Don't remove the weight, strengthen my shoulders so I can carry more. Right. Mm-hmm. When, when you're faithful with a little, God will give you much. And God's never going to ask you to do less. Right. But to those who work hard, he'll give you more hard work. And um, so I had been doing a lot. We were doing craziness. And I said, you know, I've got a couple hours. I can just go home for a little bit. And I never get that. I went home and I sat on my couch and I was by myself. And all of a sudden, this lie came in. You know, hmm. you that th- it said this you will leave a better legacy if you died as a young man. Because so we talk quite a bit about legacy right. in, in our culture, in our community, right? Our church. Um, and I really want to leave a legacy. And that lie was, you'll leave a better legacy if you died as a young man. And I just remember sitting up on my couch saying, that wasn't me. And that's certainly not God. And I remember I stood up and just this something came out of my spirit and said, but the word of God says, but with long life, he will satisfy me. And I command every suicidal spirit out in the name of Jesus. Wow, That was one. And uh, that has never returned. And, and, you know, I never attempted to do anything, but, but it, it reminded me even when Satan tempted Jesus, right? Right. One of the things he said is throw yourself down from this tall building and God will save you or the angels will come and save you. Right. That is even, that is a lie of suicide. Throw yourself down. And so I said, 
to myself, I must be doing something right. I must be in good shoes. One time I was at a hotel room in Honduras and we were doing a couple of the setting things up and uh, uh, there it was, I think martial law still in Honduras at that time where you had to be out of the street by like 9 PM. Mm. Everything shut down right, right. in your hotel, everything locked and cops are driving around. I was there and um, there was, I, I had such a great anxiety and that's something that I had struggled with before, but the Lord had set me free from. And so that spirit was just trying to reattach itself and I could not sleep that night. I don't know what it was. And I had three demonic dreams that night. Wow. Um, one even was that the face of the enemy was against me. And later, um, it was revealed prophetically by the Holy Spirit to one of our team members that there was a witch in Honduras, mm. Mm. even down to the detail of the witch's physical description, mm. hair color. Right hairstyle, facial features, et cetera, um, that was against us. So that, that person had a dream about that, which I had a dream about a demonic thing against me. Right. I was experiencing, you know, these attacks, but just, it, it was, it was rough. Um, in that, in the sense that I'm like, man, this is, this is not something I want to experience, but I knew it was attached to the crusade and I knew it was attached to expanding the kingdom. And so we, we, we kept pushing forward. I'm not a quitter. Right. Like you said, you're a fighter. I'm not a quitter. I won't give up. There's no plan B, you know? Um, so crusade week happens. Katie actually gets to go on this crusade. I had told her about the vision of, of, or the, the appearance of what that witch would look like. Katie and the team start evangelizing all through um, Comayagua, Honduras, where right. we were having our crusade. And they get to this house and Katie sees this family and they're praying. And she said it was real heavy in the atmosphere. Mm. They were hard hearted to the Lord. Some of our team members outside of the house right. actually had some demonic oppression where they fell to the ground and couldn't stand up. And it was, wow. they were shaking outside of this house. And Katie saw this woman of the house, right? Mom, the wife of the house, who fit the exact description of that witch. So Katie with the tra translator kept saying, someone here is into witchcraft. No, 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 no. None of us are here. Aquí, no, 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 not right here. Nothing, no. Someone, she, but Katie knew, right. you look like the description. And she knew of the oppression outside of the house. Right. Someone here is practicing witchcraft and we need to know who. And so the husband called out the wife, said, it's her. <laughs> you ain't taking me down. It's I her. can't take it no more. <laughs> it's, it's her. So Katie and the team started praying and the witch began to manifest. She was right. possessed by a demon. They cast the demon out. They led the woman to salvation in prayer, then the whole household gets saved. Then her husband who had hearing problems, all of a sudden his ears open. And then Katie in a sudden burst of boldness, which Katie's like five foot, nothing Italian woman, yeah. you know, in a certain burst of boldness under the power of the Holy spirit said, we need to take anything out, any emblem, any symbol, any object that is 
pertaining to this witchcraft, it's leaving your house. And uh, they started taking up all of a sudden, there's pictures, there's candles, there's Santa Muerte stuff. There's like wow. all of a sudden this stuff in the house. Right. They lifted up underneath of like a, like a candle holder or something. And there was a hand-drawn map of where we were having the crusade. Whoa. Wow. So this is, this is incredible because the devil always shows his hand. True. Right? And he can only do counterfeit things. But the Holy Spirit and his divine sovereignty and providence, you know, revealed to one person what the witch looked like, revealed to me that there was something against it, revealed to Katie, this is it right here, and revealed to the team what to do um, so that the whole house could get saved. They took all of that, those objects pertaining to witchcraft, Santa Muerte, the candles, they took everything and they took it out of their house, stopped for lunch first. Of course. <laughs> of course. And then after lunch, they burned it in the middle of the community that they were in and um, destroyed the works of witchcraft in that city. And then even still to this day, Honduras was one of our largest, it, the largest attended. We had a third of the city wow. at the crusade that, that year. And uh, incredible to see what God did. Incredible to see. So our, so you guys stopped for a bolillo and then had a bonfire. <laughs> There's always time for lunch. There's always time for lunch. That's amazing. Actually, I, I don't think I've uh, heard that, that story or at least the last part of it. That's amazing. Well, there's always oppression, but there's always victory. And a lot of times what I think happens is people start feeling attacks and, and they want to push, they push them away. We're not called to push away. We're called to push back. And, uh, cause you're taking something, you're taking a new territory and, uh, it's incredible to see what God does. So, I mean, I'm floored. I thinking about like, Hey, Get your stuff out of here. Now that's it. Devil's gone. Devil's gone. I mean, that alone is amazing. <laughs> Katie was like walking with the stuff. And she's like, she she told me, she goes, I had this thought. I might get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I just literally took everything out of their house <laughs> and burned it in the street. <laughs> but she didn't. So that's okay. <laughs> so we've talked about opposition. Now, what miracles have you seen while being on the mission field? Man. I have seen with my eyes things that the gospels talk about when Jesus said, and greater things you shall do, mm. which has always been something like, how, how is that possible? Um, greater things you shall do. Right. When Jesus did it, you know? Um, but if Jesus could heal blind eyes, and gives us authority to do that, then we're going to see it. Mm. And same with any kind of matters of physical ailment or spiritual ailment. One of the miracles, and there's a couple of them that really stand out to me. One of the miracles that it was just so impactful, special to me, we were in Apopa, El Salvador, and they carried this little girl up onto the stage. Mm. And... I just happened to be the next person available who wasn't praying for somebody um, on the stage there. And they said that she can't walk. And so they put her down on the ground. And I learned, you know, before that authority in the spirit, right? It, it right. doesn't come from your mind. You don't think about it. Right. It comes from your spirit. You just do it without thinking. And 
I said, put her down. And they put her down. Her legs were kind of out with her feet kind of like facing either direction. And I just slapped her feet together. And I just said, we command these legs to be made whole. And in the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk, you know, but that was in English and, and she was Spanish speaking. Right. Uh, but God understands all languages. Yo, man, he does. And I grabbed her hands and I stood her up and she began to walk. Wow. And then I took her out to the front. I mean, just so you can imagine, that's on stage while there's probably 15,000 people in a crowd watching it happen so that God could get even greater glory. And I grabbed her hands and I started walking her around and just people started praising God and cheering for God. And, and then I told her to run and we began to run, run around the stage. And then I told her jump and she began to jump and jump and jump. And, uh, we walked her to her mother and she ran and jumped into her mom's arms and her mom just hugged her and wept. Mm. That was such a special thing because it was number one, because of the type of miracle it was where God had told me the, the lame are going to walk and then it happened, but also because it was a little girl and I have a little girl. And I think that it just, I don't know. It's just one of those things that just, it was something electric in the atmosphere that I attribute to the Holy Spirit. Um, another testimony of a miracle that really stood out to me was actually when we were in Tijuana this past September, um, a woman had come up for prayer and she said, I need prayer. I can't see. And so I wanted to make sure I was understanding, you know, when someone says I can't see, I want to, I want to make sure, are you blind or you can't see well, or what, what exactly is happening here? Do we need to get your prescription? Like what's going on? Yeah. Like, you know, you just like, you know, and your, and your eyes are clear. What, what is it? And, And I, so I asked her in Spanish, are you blind? And she said, yes. She wasn't looking at me. Right. You know, so right, I was like, right, right. I was like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I bet she's blind. Um, and uh, we began to pray for her and we laid hands on her head and on her eyes. And we said, in the name of Jesus. And before we could pray anything else, she fell under the power of God onto the ground. And so we get on the ground and we're praying for her. Her eyes are closed. And now this is something crazy because I had never seen this before. Her body, shoulders to feet, were completely still, but her head with eyes closed was moving and thrashing about because she was, it was a demonic manifestation, but just in her head. Wow. But there's scriptures where Jesus called out spirits by their name. And he would say often, you unclean spirit, you foul spirit. Right. And he often said, you blind spirit. And so we said, you blind spirit, you come out of her right now in the name of Jesus. And her head stopped thrashing about. We cast the demon out of her and we said, your eyes will be healed in the name of Jesus. And we said, open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and she just wept. And we, we stood her up to her feet and we said, can you see? And I'm, I'm, I'm like, when I tell you, it's like she couldn't believe that she could see. The shock on her face, the surprise on her face was just, that, will, that was burned into my memory. 
for the rest of my life. So, I mean, I've seen miracles and I'll, I'll say it out loud. I've like, there's physical changes that the Lord has done to me that I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know too much. I've seen too much. I, I can never deny that God exists ever. One miracle I got to, I'm not going to say witness because I wasn't there, but I got to experience secondhand was at this one in TJ. Um, I know you know more about it. Uh, the little boy that couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, how did that one go? Well, so we had our team evangelizing all throughout the week before the week of the crusade um, in Cartolandia, which was, which is cardboard city. Um, and it's like, I mean, when, when you think of, it, it was really just an impoverished area. I mean, living in shacks. But it just so happened that the stadium where we had our crusade was right smack dab in the middle of that community. And so our team and, and the pastors on the team um, went through there every day and evangelized. And so one of the boys, the one you're mentioning, couldn't eat. They, they, he couldn't, there, he had stomach issues. He had stomach problems. The team came, they laid hands on him, declared that he would be made well right. and that whatever stomach problems he had would go in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, what was great was every day that the team went back to the same areas to evangelize, to, to continue where they left off, they would run into the people they prayed for the day before. And so the mom of that boy came out and said, I don't know what happened, but after your team and after you guys came and prayed, he said, I'm hungry. And he has not eaten and well in a long time. Couldn't keep anything down, pain, et cetera. And he went and got some tacos and he ate three, four tacos, this little boy wow. who hadn't eaten in forever right? and continued to eat and continued to ask for food was completely healed. So then fast forward to crusade day, that Saturday, that boy, I think is sitting on the front row, um, right in front of the stage. Right. And he's there praising the Lord at this incredible gospel crusade. So there is where I got to witness secondhand because, because there was so many buses still not there at the stadium, we had to delay the start time. Okay. So I'm part of the worship team and uh, we're on the side of the stage and we're just talking. We're like, all right, you know, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, just kind of planning out like, all right, this is how the set list is going to go. And in case the Holy Spirit comes, all right, we'll do this. We'll do that. And like, you know, I'm sorry, not in case the Holy Spirit comes, but in case the Holy Spirit changes everything, Mm. then we might go this and this and this and this and this. All right, cool. So we're, we're going over that. And then this little boy comes out of nowhere and he walks over and he just holds my hand. Oh no, he holds Jeannie's hand. And then he comes and holds my hand. I'm like, why is this kid king? I'm like, who is this? Who's this? Who's this? He's trying to get adopted. I know. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I can only take food back home, not you, bro. I'm sorry. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, this is. And as they're explaining it to me, he walks away. And he looks at like, I think we had like a little garbage bag or something on the side of the stage. And he starts looking through it. And he's like, oh, he's a little boy that, uh, they prayed for and he can now eat. I'm like, oh, and I'm just looking at him and like, it's finally sinking in within like a good 20 seconds. I'm right. like, oh, okay. 
he's hungry. Someone get him a pizza. Someone get him, like, he's just hungry. <laughs> and to witness that, to see that little kid, again, experience what I've gotten to experience in my life, which is, you know, physical healing and other things, just to see that little boy now have his life changed, not by some guy, an uncle, like, no, no, it, it wasn't even the person that prayed for him. No, it got changed by Jesus Christ himself. Yes. To, have, to see that impact in a little kid, you know, it's going to live with him yeah. the rest of his life. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, we do this and that and that. And like, I guess we were talking about earlier about you do it for the ministry and the love of the ministry and not for the Lord. And sometimes, yeah, we all get stuck in that circle. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, it can be avoidable. Sometimes you just walk yourself into it, but to see that, okay. I don't know what you went through that week. No one knows what I went through before going down there. Whatever. Everybody has their own story, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to see that little moment, to see that little kid, like I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. He, he wouldn't say anything. I think, I guess he was just like a oh, food, food. Someone's going to feed me at some point. <laughs> and, and and for me to come to that little moment, I'm like, oh, someone get him a pizza. Yeah. I'm like, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. If this whole thing, just for that kid. You can't awesome. deny the fruit. Right. You can't deny the fruit. When God does a thing, it's, he said it and it's settled. He does it. It's settled. He healed and it's settled. Yeah. He delivered and it's settled. He saves and it's settled. Like that's just, it's, you can't deny it. You, you can't, can't deny it. For for. Something special in my family was uh, for my grandma, she got to see one of the many prophetic words that she had received from the Lord about her family serving. Because with my family, it was four generations on the same place serving at that crusade. Yeah, that was so amazing. Yeah. And uh, what I wanted to ask and see how we could uh, go about it was we've talked about miracles. We've talked about casting out demons and deliverances. How do we approach it or how do we explain it to those that find it hard to believe? And I'm talking about not even people that don't don't believe in, in Jesus, don't believe in the Lord, because you can't hold them to the same standard. Right. They're in the world. Right. I'm talking about other Christians, not so much from other denominations, but even within the household where they're like, oh, this is just a coincidence. Um, you know, she was just having an, an epileptic attack. Or what have you, like it wasn't really a demon being casted out. Like, how do we approach that to explain it to them that this is actually happening supernaturally? Yeah. Well, okay, that's a great question. Um, there are we're gonna come across people who aren't going to believe or find it hard to believe what when we tell what God has done. Mm. Um I firmly believe no one's ever argued into the kingdom and I don't want to argue with another believer about God. Right. Right. I, that is a waste of time and time is my most valuable resource. It's the only gift from God. I can't get back. So I will not waste it arguing with another believer about what God did. Right. That is foolish. It doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah. Because you, you will get people within the body of Christ that will tell you, well, no, like, the miracles only happen in the old Testament or only happened in Jesus time and only happened this. And well, how, how, how could you be claiming to do this? And how could you be claiming to do that? You, you don't believe that Jesus can still heal. You don't 
believe that he gave us authority yeah. <laughs> over all this. Like, well, I mean, like, are you missing a couple pages in the Bible? Like, yeah. Like, are you skipping over it? Are you skipping over Acts? Are you skipping over like, well, what's going on? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm, a man with an experience beats a man with an argument every time. Mm. Every time. When you have the experience, something changes in your voice. Right. You're not just saying it because you believe it. You're saying it because you've experienced it. And there's a different level of passion that comes out. And I think even a different level of anointing on what you're saying because of it. And so when I talk to people who say they believe in Jesus, but they have a hard time uh, thinking that that was it, right? Um, I, I lean on the Holy Spirit. Is this, are, you know, are we going to argue? Because if that's the case, and I'll just tell people, I'm, I'm not going to argue about it. Right. But I'll show you pictures. I'd love to share with you what I've experienced. Right. You know, um, someone told me just a couple months ago, they said, you know, when I think you talk about demon possession and people getting set free from that, I really think they're not actually possessed by a demon. I think they have brain inflammation. Excuse me. And it, come, it came out of me, right. right? This is why I think it's important to be in prayer uh, every day because, you know, if you spend time with the Lord and he's mm. in your heart, he's going to come out of your mouth. That's right. Mm. Um, it came out of me. No, because Demons are a spirit and a brain is a body. We're dealing with the spirit, not the right. body. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, you, and Enough said. It, it, you know, to be honest, you kind of have to have a spirit of might. Mm. You got to have to, there's got to be some authority on your words, because if you've experienced it, you've seen when God has done something, you don't sheepishly talk about it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then you trust the Lord to soften people's hearts. That's not our job. The Lord told me I'm the rock that smashes all the other rocks. And I've leaned on that, that whisper from the Lord for years and years now. God is the one who in a moment can touch a hard heart and make it soft. God's the one who can give a person a new heart mm. and a new spirit. It's not me. So it's not up to me. This is the other thing the Holy Spirit whispered to me. There are going to be people who don't understand. Mm. Yep. But it's not up to me to, uh, what do you call it? It's not up to me to help their misunderstanding. God is the one who's going to do that. Right. You know? Cause like for me, I've, I've never had doubt when the supernatural. And then the very first time that I was, no, second time I was actually part of a deliverance was here at the tabernacle. I happened to walk back into the tabernacle and there you were with uh, several other people. <laughs> <laughs> And all right, all right. We're going to get to the point why we're all laughing. <laughs> but so there you were with several other people. And I'm like, and I just felt the unction that I need to jump in and start praying against the spirit. But it, it, I mean, it will, to me, I don't know if excited is the right word to use because I'm like, I'm not excited about somebody being possessed, but I do get excited about coming against it and casting it out of the person. Yeah. So that's where I just, to me, I just let this fire like, Lord, I've never doubted you, but now that you've shown me, I'm very gracious and, you know, thankful that I got to see it, even though, like, you know, I couldn't hold her back in time. To get <laughs> I, I know. I know. So did you walk in before this person clocked Pastor Bill or no? It, it, it happened all at the same time as I walked in. I saw that uh, this person was just getting out of hand because she, the, that demon or demon, it come, turns out it was multiple demons 
were possessing that person. Yes. And as they swung is when that caught the hands and it was like, like, dude, I'm not a small guy. And this person was really small, but um, no one's doubting your size. No, but it, <laughs> I was like at the amount of exertion that was going into it just to hold this person back to not attack pastor. But I was like, this is very tired. No, 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 no. I just remember again, because this was after service or towards the end. No, it was, it was like after service. It was like after the afterglow, everybody was like walking back, like going home. Right. And all of a sudden it was like, boom. So what? I'm upstairs. I'm upstairs talking to someone and we keep hearing, ah, we hear the commotion. And we kind of look down and we're like, all right, they're praying for someone. Glory to God. I, right. I finished. We're, we continue the conversation. I look back down. That's when I see you on one arm, see someone else on the other arm, fervently praying. Later on is when I got the the um, the news. Or like, oh, yeah, I took a swing at Pastor Bell. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, I got two moments out of that. Okay. One was... As I looked over, I looked over and saw a crowd of people praying for someone, but it wasn't just the pastors of the church. It was people that are ushers, mm -hmm. people that, uh, some musicians, singers, it didn't, it, there wasn't a like, oh, these designated people or these spiritual giants, it's people within the church that are in prayer as one, making sure this devil's gone. Well, biblically, we're all commanded to do this Right, things. but that's not something you see in a lot True. of places. Well, and what's great about that is just like a, maybe a week before, we were still pre uh, prepping for a crusade, and I met with the team and did a teaching on what to do if someone's possessed and manifesting. How does the team work together? And I was so proud because that night, like you were saying, everyone did like we had taught. And it was amazing. <laughs> I didn't hear this part about it. That's, that's how you work in unity. Like right. there's usually one person kind of like, you know, calling the shots and might shift. And, right. and everyone else's job is to do what they got to do, intercede and make sure, you know, we're good to go. All right. So he, here's, here's the last part of that night that I remember experiencing. And it only happened to me because, okay. She's now back to life. You could see the color back in her face. You right. could see that now it's her in her eyes and everybody's, you know, congratulating her and like encouraging her and this and that. Okay. I go outside. I'm waiting for my wife. She comes into the car. Oh, uh, clean out the back of the car. Why? Oh, we're taking so-and-so home. Ooh, so-and-so on mine. Okay. <laughs> I see her walking in my car and I'm like, <laughs> Uh, 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 and she, she's like, oh, thank you for giving me a ride in my head at that moment. No, no, no. She's been delivered. She's fine. She's been delivered. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. We took her home. Uh, but I just remember that experience for all those moments that I got to see. But again, I, even though I freaked out at the end for a little, for, you know, for a second or two, I, I was like, the, the part that lived with me and still lives with me is everybody joining in. In yeah. unity. Yeah. Everybody. Absolutely. Again, there was no designated person or it's just the pastors or this and that. Right. I even remember there were kids up in the balcony. Yeah. Someone brought them. They looked over. No one freaked out. No one told them, close your eyes. Don't watch that. Yeah. Which I remember experiencing when I was a kid. No, no, no. Close your eyes. This and that. Blah, blah, blah. No. You see that. And you see what everybody's doing. Yeah. You see 
that we're invoking the name of Jesus. Yep. Yeah. That's got to go. Yep. And none of the kids freaked out. Nobody was wondering like, and, and I attest to this more as that, you know, hopefully again, uh, the parents were doing their job and in instructing. Yes, this is going to happen. Uh-huh. Yes. This is what spiritual warfare looks like. Yeah. And again, none of the kids were like mommy, daddy, or, or whoever's with them. Um, Nobody freaked out. They looked, they stared for a little bit as I keep hearing you fervently pray and everybody else pray. And then they went back to a classroom or something. And then that was it. (laughs) But this should be normal. Yes. This should be normal. Yes. Yes. I I, I completely agree. It was a beautiful moment. Like again, in that part and in seeing the kids and which would, which to me gives me an aspiration and a bit of a blueprint to know what to do in my future. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this is the great thing about that night is service was done. Yep. At least this is my perspective, right? Service was done. And I, we were, there was going to be a funeral at the church in a little bit. And I was going to play the keyboard. And so I was going to go back to the worship room to practice some of the songs for that upcoming weekend for the funeral. Wow. So I'm getting ready to go and I look in, I'm like, oh, there's a crowd of people praying. I'm gonna go, I'll go around them to the worship right. room to practice. And I looked, I'm like, oh, there's pretty loud shrieking. That's that's a demon. That's a demonic thing. Mm-hmm. And I looked over, I'm like, who's praying with them? I'm like, oh, that's a short little, oh, that's Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's Katie. So I'm like, let me go over this way. So I went over that way and um Katie had been praying with her. One of the other pastors, some of the other people were there. They're all praying together with right. her. So I, I was, I just joined in and interceding and praying in tongues. And I um, had a moment where I looked at Katie and I said, what's going on? And she said, the Lord told me in the middle of service, she has these three specific demons and she named them mm-hmm. like of, you know, of, um, you know, lust and witchcraft and different things like that. So, um, and she named the three of them. And so she said, so I went over after service to pray with her and to tell her what the Lord said. And when I told her what the Lord said, she began to manifest and she was a loud shrieker. She was like violently shrieking and thrashing her body. So when I came in, my experience was that I came in, she was on the floor. I'm like, Oh, we're, you know, they're casting out demons. They're done. Nope. It was like this, like somebody grabbed her torso. Like a puppet. Pulled her up like a puppet. Her hands were, I was like, yeah, this is not done. No. Well, if you look at her eyes, like we have like the white part of her eyes. Right. Her eyes were, were completely black. 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 Completely black. They're black. And I just remember waiting, you know, uh, seeing what's going on. And I can't explain it. I knew it was just time to go because I had been behind her head. Right. You know what I mean? And I just knew it was time to go up front. And I think everybody else knew too. It's like, yeah. I stood up, they looked at me. I looked at them. I went around her front and I went and I stood, she's on the ground laying on her back, shrieking mm-hmm. and thrashing. Um, and I think trying to run away is what she was. I think so. Yeah. So um, I went and stood in front of her. And just like you said, torso first, just went up front. And I said, in the name, and she went <laughs> punched me in the face. I was a little, bit, I was a little slow on that one. <laughs> and they grabbed her. And yeah. I, I know Vane was there, and she was like, she goes, she 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 uh, took my eyebrow off, and I was like, 
where, where'd it go? <laughs> I didn't know eyebrows could leave. And she's like, well, she painted it on or something. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and so I knew the names of the demons, the types of demons, because right. the Lord revealed it to Katie. This right. is how the body of Christ works in unity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I grabbed her by the face and I said, I looked the demons in the eyes and I said, I'm not afraid of you. Mm-hmm. And I said, this demon this demon and this demon. And I named him. You're coming out now in the name of Jesus. And when I count to three, you have to go one, two, three, go in Jesus name. And the Lord set her free. She dropped like a sack of potatoes, man. The Lord set her free. And then we led her to salvation. Now um, look how good God is too, because like, we even all praised and celebrated after that. Yep. She was like, she's like, I'm really tired. <laughs> I was like, I bet, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I bet you are. We played shout music. And uh, yes, I remember now <laughs> that later that weekend, we had a more service and she mm-hmm. came and she got baptized in the Holy spirit right. that day. And she came to me, she goes, I heard I punched you. <laughs> I just want to say, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm like, it wasn't you. It's okay. I was like, look at you. And so now every time I see her, the craziest thing, her face has changed. Yeah. Her face looks so different. Yeah. God is in her. And um, she told me this dream after she said, I had a dream after that night that I went to the, the, I went to a cemetery where those demons were. She goes, and in my dream, the demons gave me back a picture of myself and said, she doesn't belong to us anymore. She doesn't belong to us anymore. She doesn't belong to us anymore. Wow. wow. Isn't that cool? That's that vivid. Awesome. That's, Isn't that that's crazy? crazy? Yeah. That's awesome. I love, I love, love when God does stuff like this. I just love it. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, Pastor Bill, we'd like to thank you for uh, yes, sir. Oh, the stories, man. That, that's a... Uh, Wow, that's that's a that's a different try, type of uh, story to end on, <laughs> especially because we were all there. <laughs> I mean, it's the best story. I like, know, oh, I know. All different, I know. Different experiences. I know, and and again, we'd like to thank you for yes, thank you for coming on me. the show and uh, sharing a bit of your life stories. You know, yes, within the gospel, it's it, it's amazing. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And again, this is the end for this episode. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. If you need prayer, this man could take it to the chin, so he he will pray for you. (laughs) But again, if you need prayer or help or anything, please reach out to us. And like always, if if we can't, if we can't give you the answers, we'll surely help you find them. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Please do. Bye. Bye.